0: Welcome you to Mother's Day at Crosspoint and uh, so many different types of moms. I want, to, uh, I want to give a shout out to those who are um, pregnant moms for the very first time. Um, you, you are, we celebrate Mother's Day, we celebrate you. You have no idea what's coming, but, uh, but we just want to <laughs> encourage you. And just think about those, uh, those moms with, with young kids and you're just tired and you need a nap. And you're one of the reasons we have coffee at, uh, at church and then thinking about those moms with with teenagers uh, you're one of the reasons we have prayer at the end of each service up front and think about moms with uh, with grown kids and you give anything to be able to go back and hold those little ones again and think about moms with grandkids and you do get to hold those little ones and then you jack them up on sugar and spoil them and send them back send them back home and and think about adoptive moms, and you just, you, you show us what the kingdom looks like. And foster moms, you open up your hearts and your homes and create a safe place. And, uh, and those who are not biological moms, but spiritual moms, um, you, uh, you pour into the lives of others and invest your life in them. But I want, I want to give another shout out to a special group of moms who, um, who endure um, and do hard things with such grace and such strength, and that is single moms. Can we just show some love to single moms among us? Among us? We see God's love through you. And I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray uh, for those who maybe a day like Mother's Day. There's just, um, there's a measure of pain attached. Perhaps it's because um, you lost your mom, and, uh, and there's grieving and loss, or maybe there's um, in your heart a desire to, to be a mom, and that hope hasn't been realized yet. And I just want us to take a moment as a church to, uh, to, to pray together today. So would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Father, we, uh, we thank you that your word tells us that you are, you are near in our brokenness and in our hurt and in our loss. And so I pray that your nearness, that your presence, that your peace would be known God, I pray specifically for those moms who are at our God Behind Bars campus. I pray that you would minister to them and to their hearts today. God, I pray that you would would be with those who grieve and mourn. And God, that they would know your strength and your love poured out. And that you would meet them in their loss. And God, I pray for those who are asking for a miracle, uh, maybe have suffered and struggled with infertility. And um, God, I want to pray, um, pray for a miracle. And so if you're sitting beside, um, beside your husband or maybe your husband somewhere you somewhere, you can grab hold of a hand or you can open up your hands. Um, if that's your prayer, God, I, I pray that you would open wounds. I pray that you would bring the miracle of life. Lord, I pray that you would give blessing. And I pray, God, that there would be an answer to prayer. I pray within the next year, God, it would be amazing to be able to see God, your power on display in that way. And would you meet them with your nearness and with your love and with your strength and with your grace? And uh, God, we pray for miracles. We pray for open wounds and for miracles in our church. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are, uh, we're, we're talking about hope we're having a conversation about hope on mother's day and i did want to give some wisdom i picked up along the way i had a, a conversation at first it was a conversation with my barber i um, asked him what's the busiest weekend out of your year and he said mother's day he said you got to get a haircut before you go home to see mama he said if your hair's looking rough before you go see mom she's going to ask you a thousand questions so she's going to say, do you still have a job? And is everything okay? And are you eating? And <laughs> right, are you sick? So, so let me just give you, this is just a public service announcement. Guys, get your hair cut before you see mama. And, uh, and maybe it's too late on this Mother's Day. I'm just trying to help you. Number two comes from uh, at my ordination. There was a woman who, uh, who, who came to me, and, uh, and it was in the ordination. She looked like she was about 20 years older than me. And in uh, and she uh, she said, "I need you. I need you to promise me one thing. When you're a pastor, promise me that you'll never preach on Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day." She said, "You don't know how to be a mom. You've never been a, being a mom. Never tell a woman how to be a mom." And. Um, she may be watching right now online, and so um, I just—I'm not going to preach on Proverbs 31. I, I was scared then. I'm a little scared now. I am a little scared now. So I'm not going to preach on Proverbs 31. In fact, I'm not going to do a whole lot of preaching today. I want to set up a conversation with a story from the Old Testament, and then—and um, then I want to turn things over to a conversation between my wife Ree, who's an amazing mom, with some other incredible moms from across our campuses, and, and let that conversation, I want to set that up. But we will to do that with a story, and this comes from Second Kings chapter 4. And uh, and it, in this story, it's a story about a, a story about a mom, a story about a single mom who, uh, who, was, a, who was a widow, and she has two Kids and they're struggling to make ends meet. They're in such a financial position where the creditors are calling. And in that day, um, there wasn't bankruptcy. It would would lead you to prison or um, indentured servitude. So that's what's going on in the story. She's in a place of desperation. So she goes and finds Elisha the prophet. And that's where we pick up in verse two. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So if I was going to come up with a title for this message, the title would be Containers of Hope. I started thinking about it. I was like, that's what moms are. Moms are containers of hope, and moms are all about the containers, which leads me over here. This is the first container. The first container that a mom hands a child, a baby, puts milk, formula in it. This would be the first container. And this is, this is when this, this child is fully dependent on mom for their nourishment, for their sustenance, for provision. Um, you got that container. And then this is the next container. This is the sippy cup. And this is when the child becomes a little bit more independent and you put, you know, water, milk, juice, Red Bull, I don't know, I'm not a mom. I just, you put whatever into these, into these, into these cups. And this is, there's more independence and this is when they start, they start moving around, start being active, which leads me to the next container. Watch out, next container. This is not for the child. This is the official cup of motherhood. That's what this is, Uh, the the Stanley Cup. This is so mom can stay hydrated as she's chasing after all those kiddos. And then the next container would be a lunchbox. And this is that moment when a mom sends that little one off and gets on the school bus for the very first time. And uh, there's that container, lunchbox. And the next container would be um, the backpack, the Jansport backpack, the official backpack of middle school and high school, and uh, dealing with all the, all the drama and all the hurts and the pains and the struggles of middle school and high school. But this is the container there. And then, uh, and then there's one more container, and this would be the cardboard box, which represents college bound. And that moment when, as a mom, you send your child off to school uh, for the very first time, just thinking uh, for, for college. And I was just thinking these are like the containers of motherhood. And, and what moms do through these seasons is they help um, be a container of hope. Like They help keep hope alive. They keep moving things forward, keep moving things in transition, keep offering hope and giving hope. And that's what we found in the story, is that this mom has, has hope. And really, all she had was a small jar of oil. And Elisha told her, I want you to go around, I want you to borrow jars. I want you to borrow containers from your neighbors. And can you imagine being that mom? You'd be like, well, is there another plan? (laughs) Like, Is is that really the plan, how it's all going to come? But she had hope, and so she went and did what he asked. She trusted, and she obeyed. And look at what happened in verse 5. It says, and she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. And I was just thinking, what a beautiful picture of hope. It was out of hope that she went to Elisha. It was out of hope that she prayed and she trusted. It was out of hope that she went to God. It was out of hope that she went and she trusted and she obeyed. It was out of hope that she went and got all the jars and borrowed jars from her neighbors. It was hope, out of hope that she, she brought her kids in and they got to be a part. It was out of hope that she began to see the miracle of God's provision. It was out of hope that she got to see God move and provide for her needs. It was out of hope. And that's what moms are. Moms are containers of hope. But the question is, how as a mom, how do you keep hope alive? In the midst of motherhood, in the midst of the seasons and the transition of life, how do you continue to be a container of hope? Well, we wanted to have a conversation and really leads a conversation with moms from across many of our campuses to have a conversation about what it means to to have hope and what it means to give hope as a mom. Check this out. (music)
1: thank you all for being here. Um, I'm excited to sit down with you guys because I know that we're going to have moms in different seasons with different perspectives, different experiences from different campuses. And so I'm just excited about what we're going to talk about today and just that y'all are here. So thank you guys for being here. Um, Kevin talked about containers representing different seasons of motherhood. He talked about the bottle, talked about the lunch box the backpack um, the cardboard box kind of the college years packing them up sending them out so what's your favorite season so far if if you want to answer that or maybe you just want to answer in general what's your favorite thing about being a mom
2: we are empty nesters all of our kids are grown and what i love best about that is to watch them interact as
3: as humans, as adults. Because my own mom recently said to me, gosh, I wish I was still making lunches. Mm. And I was like, really? She was like, oh yeah. And for me, it's just every time I do make a packed lunch now, it's like that reminder that I don't get a redo on these years and that everything else can wait. Um, As tricky as the teenage and college years have been, it's been rewarding to kind of
4: watch the kids through their wins and their losses and through the funny times and how God has
1: developed their character over time.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, let's continue thinking about um, the story of Elisha and the widow. And the question is, um, how has God miraculously provided for you and your family? So
4: my husband and I were married for 12 years before we uh, decided to try to have kids. Um, the the miracle of this is that one of my sisters moved to nashville the way that god moved to bring kevin to crosspoint and you guys here i know it was to 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 pastor at cross point but me you were able to just uh be there for me and we were diving into the word together and um i was saying yes open hand open palming when i hadn't been before and Mm -hmm. he softened my heart and moved in me and and let me say yes to my my true biggest calling in my life, which was to become a mother.
2: After we had been married for a while and we had three girls and we thought, OK, this is this is the family. This is, we didn't really, we weren't seeking to have more children or do that. Um, the Lord put on our heart to adopt from Russia. So the provision was multifaceted. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this, Lord. But he really put it on our hearts that he had a little boy or little, a child. We didn't know a boy at that point a child in Russia that God wanted to rescue and that he wanted us to go get him. He didn't give us the long plan. We had no idea what this was gonna look like. And um, so we ended up going to Russia. Later we realized that he was four at the time. And we realized later that when the Lord started putting it on our hearts was about the time Alex was born.
6: So I grew up with a single mom, she was, I'm from the Philippines, so when we were, when I was 10, we came, um, I came to America in 1985. She made it a home, and um, and now I'm experiencing, you know, being a single mom, and I just, I, it's just cool how God works. It's like preparation, right? Just seeing how He is our provider. He provides, He provided for my mom. thing about containers
1: is they get emptied. If you think about a container, it's full and then it's empty. It's full and then it's empty. Um, how do you know when you're empty? First question. And what do you do to fill back up?
7: I can say I get a little irritable. I can, I can tell, um, you know, I don't have, you know, as much patience. And so um, to fill back up, I, I would like to listen to a sermon and um, you know, get a workout in maybe, or um, the best thing is just get my hair done. Um, I mean, I just love at the end, You, it's like a triple whammy, like you look good, you feel good, and it's like one less thing you have to do. Yes. So.
4: I get cranky or irritable, I guess is a good word, and I can get critical. So, you know, I'll try to catch myself and stop. Um, I really like to be outside. So usually I'll get outside and sometimes it's on a mower or with a leaf blower. But, you know, people can't interrupt you when you're doing that. Um, And just try to, you
2: know, just talk with God and kind of renew my mind. So I have learned the hard way to step back and let set in that empty for a little bit and allow the Lord to fill it with His agenda. I don't always do it. But when I do, I'm like,
1: okay, I can feel Him filling me instead of my own agenda. So just share about that. Maybe there was a time where you were just hope- hopeless and God came and He was just right there and He showed up for you.
3: Um, I would say the most hopeless experience I've ever had is when our son was born. Um, very unexpectedly, 36 weeks I went for a scan um, thinking everything was fine. Um, and five minutes into the scan, the um, the nurse doing the scan she said i need to go and get the doctor and i knew that lakin our son had gone um and then after delivering lakin that same day i remember just this deep dark feeling and saying to god if this is how i have to feel every day i don't think i can do it um but god god showed up in in that time um and throughout the delivery i felt a peace like i've never felt before I didn't feel lonely, um, and I just remember saying to God that I can't do this, but I know I have to. So I-, I need you to help me, just holding joy and sorrow at the same time, mm-hmm. just learning how to do that. I can relate to what Kendall
2: says about oh, that's perfectly said. You know, holding joy and sorrow and hope is intermingled with that. Um, Our oldest daughter was in an accident years ago, and she lost her earthly life. And we, um, you know, went into a deep, dark pit. You know, you really, it's a dark place that you, you don't know that you're ever gonna get out of. And hope seems unattainable. But then, on the other side of it, you see how he takes all those broken pieces, and he just, he sets you on the solid ground. He gives a new song in your heart. And then He creates beauty out of those broken pieces. And that's the miracle.
1: I feel like God uses moms a lot, us as moms, to keep hope alive for our families. That's kind of sometimes our our place in the family a little bit. And so my question is, what practically, what tangibly what practices do you guys have to help keep hope
7: alive for yourself first of all
1: and for your families
7: i started writing down some of the prayers that i've prayed and um, i you know can go back and look and say wow god has really answered these prayers god has come through like god really hears our prayers and he really cares prayer and Mm -hmm. and promises, just holding on to His
4: promises and remembering how He's been faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, along the course of my life and in my children. So, you know, just when times are hard, God is good. He is
3: for you, He goes before you. For us, we've had to try and flip how we think about it. So every birthday now, instead of thinking, oh, it's another birthday we've missed, where it should be full of happy memories and parties and friends, um, we think of it as, instead of being missed that we're one year closer, mm. not one year further away. Mm. Yeah, just just sometimes switching how you think about things to a heavenly perspective. Okay, I'm going to press in a little bit more to the practicalities
1: of how we keep hope alive.
4: Early morning is, is my time that I can find before everybody's awake, before Even the world starts, you know, cars on the road and everything, just the stillness of the morning, getting up before everybody, spending that time in the Word, in prayer.
3: With my job, I do a lot of driving all over Nashville Um, and just in the car, like, what do I need right now? Do I need, like, nothing on at all? And just to listen, or do I need to listen to something that's gonna fill me up? Do I need to, you know, call a friend and ask them to pray with me, or what, just, making the most of those moments and those gaps where I'm not hearing mom, mom, mom. Um, So yeah. Titus 2 talks about older women
1: discipling younger women. Um, We can all be spiritual mothers, no matter the age, really. Um, So if you have an experience about being a Titus 2 spiritual mother to somebody or being being mothered by a Titus 2 woman. I want to hear about that experience. Let's share a little bit about
7: that. When uh, we were deciding whether, you know, there was going to be a big life change, whether my husband was going to go into ministry, and um, that was a huge step. And I had to rely on people who had more wisdom, who were maybe further along in their faith walk. They were older, and um, I called Called one of them, and um, you know she gave me some very, very great advice, and that was to uh, we needed to fast and we needed to pray together and let God speak to us, and that was something that we hadn't done together. We've you know kind of gone through several fasts and and prayed, and but together we had to come and and. Uh, kind of talk and say, you know, what God is, is, is speaking to us. And mm-hmm. it was really a life-changing um, moment. And so I, I, I'm just so grateful for those women that, um, you know, they just, they know exactly what to say. And it's, it's God speaking through them mm-hmm. to minister to me.
4: One of the pieces of advice that you gave me that really was A life-changing piece of advice was you don't have to think all the way down the road, just take that next step. Wherever He's calling you, just take that next step. And then He'll meet you there, and you'll figure out the next step after that.
6: Um, I lost my mom to brain cancer when I was 21, so that was 27 years ago. And I think for the longest time, I looked for an older, wiser woman to kind of, you know, mentor me. And I prayed for that for years. And I realized that women of all different ages that God had put in my life and ordained, younger, older, I was looking for one person, but God was like, no, you get a village. You literally get a village. I love that
2: too. You said He ordained it, and there are different seasons because I was trying to pick the one person. And even as you said that, I, I realized how for different seasons in my life, God sent different people. I feel sometimes you feel like, oh, you don't have anything mm-hmm. to offer, mm-hmm. but the Lord has really showed me just be open, yes. listen. Yes. You know, we don't have to even hardly talk, just listen, pray, hug. There's so many, so many people, you know, at whatever stage we're at.
1: I'm hearing like encouragement to be open to sharing what the God given wisdom that you've been given, no matter if it's A much younger girl or not, and then being open to receiving the God-given wisdom that somebody else can give you. And I think for me personally, the receiving the God-given wisdom is is a little bit harder sometimes. So, anybody want to speak to that? Maybe to set aside our
2: preconceived ideas, you know, sometimes we think we have it all figured out of this is the way this should go, or this is, you know, but a lot of times the Lord's like, no, you're you're way off track. But sometimes we have to hear it from another person. I'm a
6: planner, Mm -hmm. recovering planner, where I'm just like, literally, what is my assignment today? Like, that's my prayer. God, what is my divine assignment today? Who can I text today? Who can I run into today at Target? Um, And just, you know, we we all meet people um, for a reason. And I'm learning what you said earlier, to have a heavenly perspective on things.
1: Well, thank you ladies. This has been amazing, I I mean amazing. So thank you so much for sharing and for giving of your time, we are grateful. Yes. Yes. I mean, that was so much fun. Not only so much fun, so much wisdom was gleaned from those ladies. And so we've already given them a round of applause, but I just want to say again, thank you to Kim and Roz, let me see if I can remember, just off the cuff, Karen and Bridget and Kendall and Ray for sitting down and just sharing their hearts as a mom. So let's give them another round of applause. Thank you, ladies. I was channeling my inner Oprah the whole time, so I didn't get to answer any of the questions, but there was one question that um, just sort of like stayed with me after we sat together, and that was the question about how has God miraculously provided for you and your family, and so I want to answer that today, and I would say short answer is through prayer, and specifically praying scripture, Um, but I want to tell you a story that talks a little bit more in depth about how God uses that or used and uses that container of praying scripture to provide hope in a very difficult situation. Um, When our daughter Camden was 10, 11, 12, kind of end of elementary, going into middle school, she's almost 18 now. um, She so she had such struggles with anxiety, just to the point of not wanting to go to school, not even wanting to leave the house, um, not participating in school activities, not wanting to like be with her friends, not eating, um, not singing. And through all of that, of course, I was we were um, praying for her. We would pray for her, you know, for healing, for people to come around us for provision in whatever way God wanted to do that Um, and then one day I felt like the Lord was leading me to specifically pray for Camden and so for 365 days I prayed Psalm 139 over Camden it went something like this this would have been you know one of the days for you created Camden's inmost being you knit Camden together in my womb I praise you because Camden is fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well Camden's frame was not hidden from you when she was made in the secret place when she was woven together in the depths of the earth and some days I would pray that prayer and she'd be tucked up under my arm my hand on her head and she would just be almost reciting that scripture alongside of me and some days she'd be asleep in her bed, and I'd just creep up there and just whisper Psalm 139 over her, and someday she wouldn't even be in the house, and it was just a practice that the Lord just impressed upon my heart. And we saw answers to prayer. We saw healing. We saw deliverance. We saw strongholds broken. We saw people that came alongside us, counselors put in our lives. But one of the tangible, the coolest things, tangible ways that we saw answers to prayer in that time was at the end of her fifth grade year, she played the lead role <laughs> in her fifth grade musical, Little Orphan Annie. So she was Annie with the red dress and the, the uh, you know, the little red wig um, in her play. And so that little girl who could hardly get out of the car, who wouldn't even get out of bed some mornings, was walking onto a stage and performing in front of hundreds of people. I would say that was miraculous provision from the Lord. Um, Let's take a second, I wanna go back really quick and look at, uh, again, at 2 Kings um, 4. Well, that's cool. This is the blessing that we just sang. Okay, that just fell out of my Bible. That's cool, I'll leave that right there for them if they need the words. Uh, 2 Kings 4, let's look again at verses 5 and 6. She left him, and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, "'Bring me another one.' But he replied, "'There is not a jar left.' Then the oil stopped flowing." Do you see it? Do you see it there in verses five and six, how the sons were in on that provision? The sons were in on the miracle, the resource, the breakthrough. They had taken hold of their mom's hope for provision from God. It wasn't just the mom, she said to her sons, Go get the jars. And they said, There aren't any left because they had already scoured the neighborhood to find them. So they weren't just there to hear the stories of provision. They experienced firsthand God's faithfulness. And last summer, Camden came to me and she said, Mom, I wrote a song about Psalm 139. And I was like, Okay. And Let me just pause a second and say to you, get your kids in on the miracle. Don't just talk about what you're praying, but let them know. Like, I prayed this, and this is how God answered. Get them in on the miracle. Let them experience firsthand his provision. So anyway, Camden came to me, and she said, I wrote a song about Psalm 139. And she's like, do you want to hear it? And I was like, yes, play it right now. And so this is what she played.
5: have searched me, Lord you know me, you know my every step, am oh, I coming, am I going, you're familiar with all of it, before a word is on my tongue Lord you know it completely, there's nothing I could do that make you leave. To sure. nowhere you won't find me you will meet me where
0: that that's the most requested song in our household over the past past year it's beautiful we thank you for your story for your testimony and praying that scripture. for Kim, and thank you for that, that song and i'd love for us to take a moment and uh and close with a prayer i want to ask Reed to pray a prayer of blessing i'd ask that for everyone to To stand together if you can, and then if you need specific prayer over any area of your life, uh, we'll have our prayer teams down front at the end of service. We'd be glad to pray with you. Marie, would you? uh, Yes. Would you pray over us? I would.
1: So Lord, we just thank you, Father, for today. Thank you that such knowledge is too wonderful for us. Your goodness to us is amazing. Thank you that you go before us and behind us, and your hand of blessing is on our head. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. You guys have a wonderful most day. We'll see you back next week as we begin a new series together. We'll see you then.